every doctor I spoke to was like, kid, you're going to want to kill yourself <laughs> if you become a doctor. <laughs> and I was like, really? They're like, like, don't do this. They're like, you could spend all your time doing something so much better. Like, if you, if, because like, listen, if you're going di- to devote that much time into something, like the way they do, some of the best of our society devote 80, 90, 100, 110 hours a week mm-hmm. into study, <clears throat> excuse me, studying all this stuff. Their message to me was like, if you took that 100 hours a week and put it into something else, not only are you going to make more money, you're going to be much more happier. Like, please don't do this. <laughs> That's what so, they told you? Yeah. Every, like 90%, 90% of them did. 10% of them were like, this is my passion and I love it and I could do this every day of my life. They were superhuman though. Like, they they would be sitting there after every surgery, like talking to the parents, to the children. Like, they were superheroes. Most people who go to get into it aren't like that. Dude. And I had much more in common with the percent that was like, I hate my life. Don't do this. You know what I mean? Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Night Genius Podcast. My name is Jesse. My name is Josh. And today we got one of our best friends, Ryan Bruschetti. Byron Bosetti. 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 Sorry about that. <laughs> Who we, who we know very intimately. <laughs> no, no, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. He came all the way here from Long Island, invests out here in Delaware as well, and comes to our Riverfront Masterminds. And we've also sold him a deal recently, and he is really close to finishing it up. We're super excited to have you here, Ryan. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? I'm really happy to be here. Really happy. Thanks for driving. For you, I drive the world, bro. Let's go. <laughs> man, that's a bromance. That's a bromance. But yeah, no, it's super early on a Saturday morning, but we really appreciate, you know, you taking the time to be here, man. Like of course. It's awesome. We were chopping it up this morning and you guys came here early. I was like barely awake. I was you guys walked into my house and I wasn't even here. <laughs> you guys made some great fresh uh pressed coffee. Man, I'm I'm jolting right now. It was great. Let's go. Awesome. It's strong. Yeah. I'm wired. I'm wired. <laughs> so, um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your origin story in terms of like entrepreneurship, real estate, like your background? Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Franklin Square, New York. That's on Long Island. Um, I did horrible in high school. Barely went really. Maybe half of my classes I went to. Um, always in and out of trouble. Uh, essentially, after college, I went to Hofstra University. Uh, at that time, I was a garbage man. Um, I was studying biological chemistry. I had graduated with a BS in biological chemistry. I, I did very well in college. Um, after that, I did a lot of shadowing and internships in uh, NYU Langone, um, Long Island Jewish, uh, all these hospitals out there. And as I was interning, every doctor I spoke to was like, kid, you're going to want to kill yourself <laughs> if you become a doctor. <laughs> and I was like, really? They're like, like they're, don't do this. They're like, you could spend all your time doing something so much better. Like if you, if, because like, listen, if you're going to devote that much time into something like the way they do, some of the best of our society devote 80, 90, 100, 110 hours a week mm-hmm. into study, <clears throat> excuse me, studying all this stuff. Their message to me was like, 
if you took that 100 hours a week and put it into something else, not only are you going to make more money, you're going to be much more happier. Like, please don't do this. <laughs> That's what so, they told you? Yeah. Every, like, 90%, 90% of them did. 10% of them were like, this is my passion, and I love it, and I can do this every day of my life. They were superhuman, though. Like, they they would be sitting there after every surgery, like, talking to the parents, to the children. Like, they were superheroes. Most people who go to get into it aren't like that. Mm-hmm. And I had much more in common with the percent <laughs> that was like, I hate my life. Don't do this. You know what I mean? That's amazing, bro. Yeah, Because I was talking to my... I was talking to my cousin yesterday for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. And she's like, I hate being a nurse. And she just became a nurse like two it's years not ago. Easy, bro. She was like, I lost passion for everything. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to get a cushy desk job at the moment, transition careers. Yeah. And she was like, no one ever told me that studying nursing was totally different than actually being a nurse. Bro, straight up. And then when she was a nurse, like assistant during college, like they, they hid so much of what nurses mm. actually do. Yeah, bro. It is yeah. a grind. It is a it is a never ending grind. That, that's what everyone out there is like. They're all doing Adderall. Like they can't stay up. They can't do seven shifts in a row normally. You know, it's it's very difficult. It's it's an entire grind. So after watching all that, I was just like, okay, let me just take a little bit to make sure this is what I want to do. I, I then I went. You know, I got some odd jobs. I traveled. I lived in Egypt for four months. Then I went back. I worked at a vitamin brokerage. I despised that. Hated that. Um, while I was a garbage man, there was a guy. I don't want to bring him up by name because he's kind of a dirtbag. <laughs> but he told me, he was like, he's like, listen, kid, you got to start doing this, that. You got to buy houses, da, da, da. I was like, okay. Um, I was like, I don't have $500,000 to buy a house, though. He's like, is that how you think it works? He's like, you're 23. That's how you think buying a house works? Is that you need $500,000? Like, yeah, no one told me otherwise. He's like, you get an FHA loan. It's 3.5% down. You know? You're putting down like $17,500 or something. I was like, really? I have that in my bank account right now. I could buy a house? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that guy piqued my interest in real estate. I started thinking about it more and more. I bought my first house. In Wilmington, Delaware, because a buddy of mine moved out here, and I went to visit, and I was like, wow. I was like, these houses are beautiful. How much do you think they cost? And someone goes to me, they're like, oh, this one right here is like $80,000. i am like, I'm like, yeah. And then, but really, how much is the house worth? They're like, $80,000. I'm like, are you joking? Nah. So I'm like, I want that house right there. I put down a down payment on it. When I, I got the I got a real estate agent. I went through the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, well, how much the taxes are going to be? They're like, well, the taxes are going to be $1,200. I was like, okay, $1,200. Uh, what is that? Like $1,200 a month, probably around $14,000 a year. I was like, that's about right. They're like, no, $1,200 for the year. <laughs> I was like, I, are you serious? You're, you're screwing me. Like, no, it's 1200 for the year. At that point in my life, like, dollar signs rolled through. And I was like, we could become rich out here. I was like, I didn't know houses could be this cheap. I didn't know it was this easy to buy houses. I bought my first row house like that. It was a disaster because I didn't know what I was doing. Copper pipes got robbed. Flooded house. 
uh, miserable. That's a, that's a story for later. But after that, um, I just I quit the vitamin broker's job. I moved out to Wilmington full time. I was living on a blow up mattress with no other furniture, and I was just sitting there every night. Would blow the thing up. It would deflate, and I wake up on the floor. <laughs> it was, and I did that for months, and it was miserable, miserable. Not to mention that at that point we were trying to buy like houses in uh, lower socioeconomic areas, so I'd be going in them. I'd be bringing fleas back, so I'd just go to bed at night. I'd have fleas hopping all around me, <laughs> like miserable, and then slowly deflate to the floor. <laughs> It was terrible, bro. <laughs> terrible. So, and then uh, that was basically my origin story. I'll leave it, I'll leave, I'll leave it off at the fleas. <laughs> bro, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that this man went from New York and came down here is like $1,200. Uh, $14,000. $14,000 for a year. No, no, dude. It's like my wife, when she came from California over to Delaware, she was yeah. like... Oh no, her dad was like, there's no way this guy is doing real estate because she introduced me to him. It's like, it's like, he got how many houses he's doing? What? And then he thought I was lying the entire time. And then he came over here and yeah. was like, your houses are 50 grand? <laughs> bro, no, what? <laughs> no wonder you got like, whatever, you know? It's and they like, ain't bad houses, bro. <laughs> like for 50 Gs. Because you're getting a shack in California for a million bucks and apparently you can get like, you know, 15 to 20 houses out here for a million bucks. Bro, forget about it. Forget about it. It's crazy. But yeah, that was, that was the first, that was where I ended off. That was basically how I got to Delaware. You know? mm. Wait, so what made you leave New York for Delaware besides the real estate? What went to that decision? It was really just because I visited my friend who was in Delaware and I couldn't believe that houses were that cheap, you know, because I'm growing up in New York. That my father's house was a, you know, a shack, and that was like seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I couldn't imagine buying a house ever. But then, when I went to Delaware, and they were like, "Yeah, this a beautiful house in a historic Newcastle, a hundred and ten thousand dollars." I'm sitting there like, I could buy that tomorrow. I was like, it, I thought it was a joke, really. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't compute to me. Um, but that's really how I ended up just like really studying Delaware. Yeah. You know? Did you craft like a vision for yourself? Like in- Not at first. I, I mean, I had some sort of like, this could be huge moment. Mm-hmm. But it was just, I bought one house first. Mm-hmm. And it and dumb, very dumb, by the way. Like, if I knew what I knew now, like after meeting you guys and all this, it would have been a much better move. But basically what I did is just buy a long-term property conventional loan 20% down bought it and uh I kind of just that was my first property for a while you know but what you know people broke in took all my copper flooded the house well miserable but it got me started into Mm -hmm. you know that was it was extremely important to me to do that because now once I was in I was in I saw the value of real estate and even though I got kind of screwed on the back end, it I wouldn't have it any other way now. You know what I mean? Hmm. 
Going back a little bit, you mentioned that you lived in Egypt for four months. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That was fun. And honestly, I was so I had that one property that I had bought and it was make it was cash flow on probably like four or five hundred dollars a month, right? Mm. The rent in Egypt was fifty dollars US American a month. Oh wow. The food was probably like and I ate like a like a you know, like a king. It was probably like a hundred dollars a month. What the heck? I thought about living there forever off the rent off the cash flow <laughs> from one property in Wilmington. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna stay there forever. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, I, I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. Obviously, then you get, you miss your friends, family, all that. You got to go back. But at the time, I was living, I was the richest man in the neighborhood, from one rental property in Wilmington. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. What were you doing in Egypt? Uh, I went there to uh, a friend of mine had gone down there to um, study Islam, and I just wanted to check up on. Like, I never met anyone who. Who had had done that before, and uh, I just wanted to make sure he was good. He was a good friend of mine, and I wanted to make sure he was safe. So I went down there with like mad bigotry, mad like I'm gonna get you out of here. Da, da, da. <laughs> and then when I got there, I was like the nicest people you ever met, and I just made so many friends. I ended up staying there for so long. I was like, it, it was it was great, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's how I ended up staying out out there. And then when you um. You were working at the vitamin brokerage, and then you said you quit that and just bought a house down here. Like, how are you living down in Delaware with like? How did did you just save a bunch of money and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna do real estate. No, full time, so or? what happened was I, I had enough. I I really, um, the job I was at, I was like, I can't work at this job anymore. It was just, I I didn't like, I didn't like the product. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the people. Um, it it was just miserable, and I didn't, I didn't want to do it anymore. So essentially, I was like, either I'm gonna make it in Wilmington as a real estate uh, investor, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna die. <laughs> so I moved to the one house that I had bought. I set up an air mattress on the floor, mm-hmm. and then uh, I just I lived on that for a while while we were working on other like land bank projects, some other things we bought. In terms of the money. I, you know, I didn't need much money because at the time it was, I think, $500 mortgage on, on the house I was living in. Mm-hmm. And then I was partnered with, uh, I had two partners at the time, uh, Aglio and uh, another guy. And, you know, they, they'd cover the mortgage or whatever. I would eat ramen noodles every day, you know, drink beer, hang out. Like, it was miserable because there was nothing in the house. Mm-hmm. So it was like, kind of drives you insane after how many months. Mm-hmm. But, uh. It, you know, you get through, and then and then uh, after that, after the that we started, I moved into Pike Creek, which is like a world of a difference. What a difference, bro! It was like I was living in a horrible situation. I met my girlfriend. She's like, "You got to stop doing this." I moved to Pike Creek. Awesome. Now I'm in like the woods. There's a beautiful lake. In my backyard, like, like you know, it was like wow, it, it complete one eighty, complete one eighty. But so during the time in which, you know, you got your first row home in Wilmington, and then mm. you got your copper stolen and your basement flooded, how did you keep yourself optimistic, or, uh, you know, keep yourself going? Uh, it wasn't optimistic at all. So like the, when the copper got stolen, the, the basement was flooded. 
I walked down maybe two steps because that's all I could walk because the rest was water. I was like on the verge of tears, and then all my buddies just stood behind me laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sitting there, I was like, oh God, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It got fixed. The thing gets fixed, but I don't know. I guess what kept me going is because I saw the big picture, right? Like, this is one dumb mistake. I'll never do this again. But to see that I could buy a house for eighty, ninety thousand dollars put a little money into it, maybe make it worth 150, 160. I think there's no way you could lose. Like, yeah, this is big for me because it's my first mistake, but I got to keep on trucking because it's going to happen no matter what. Like, you you have to be dumb to mess this opportunity up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you made a pretty big risk by just like, I'm either going to succeed or die. Have you always been that way? I I would say so. I mean, I, I always have been safe. Like, in college, I really was like in the library 24-7 I, I studied. like Because I am, at the end of the day, I put a lot of effort into the things I do. Mm-hmm. It was more, like, the thing is, I took that risk because I knew I'm either going to make it work or I have to make it work because mm-hmm. the option is dying. Because, like, it's not, it's not, um there's no other way out. Like, so when I went out there, I knew it was going to work, you know, because there was so much, if you just think about it, bro, the numbers just always break down. It's just how are you going to go to these houses that are cash flowing a thousand if you section eight them, or or fix them up for maybe thirty and then sell them for one twenty, make fifty sixty k. Uh, that's always going to work. Just because I screwed up the first time isn't going to like track me from that vision. Mm-hmm. I'm making that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you were saying how like, oh, got to make this work or I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah. In my head, it sounded like I'm going to make this work or else I got to go back to the office job or I got to go be I'd this. rather be dead. I'd ra- I'd rather, <laughs> it's yeah, either yeah. you would like actually literally be dead or you're like slowly like rotting your life away. Yeah, I'd rather be dead than rot. Hmm. So was there anything else besides real estate that, hey, you were going to commit yourself full-time into to trying to build the future aside from these jobs and different opportunities or like what kind of shiny objects were you know in front of you during the time that you were trying to make those life decisions to build something for yourself it was always i i when i was in college it was always i was studying like a maniac because i want i very much wanted to go to medical school but (laughs) then when i once i switched to real estate it was all real estate my my shiny object syndrome is only a new house like i have an addiction for houses and it's bad like because i like i want to i want to buy houses like this next one next one and what i've made a promise with my team is now after we hit all the funds we get from these next flips and these next rentals we're going to take all the money we're going to sit for like two months and really make a plan with what we're going to do with this capital. Mm. You know, because I have I have that in me where it's like, I have, like, oh, I got $20,000 from something? I can buy that house. It's, even if it's not the greatest deal or whatever. And I do that a lot. So that's my next thing is like, getting all my capital together, sitting for a minute, mm. really planning it out, and um, taking it for there. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Backtracking again, I'm just curious because you mentioned in high school how you like didn't do well, and yeah. then now you also said in college you were only studying. Mm-hmm. What like what happened that made you kind of switch that? And then in high school, were you also like putting effort into certain things like 100 percent or? In high school, I was I, I was putting 100 percent into like <laughs> making friends and doing whatever debauchery goes on out there, but ain't. Once I got to college, I realized this is this is a real world. Mm-hmm. You either make it here or you don't. And that's why I just put it 100% in. I mean, I was studying, I swear, like sometimes 16, 17, 18 hours a day. You know, that's what I would do. Because I ain't the brightest, but I got a great work ethic, mm-hmm. you know. So that's kind of what got me through college like that. But it's, I think it's mostly just you only get so many chances in this life and if it's not going to be if it's not going to be listen becoming a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer then you better damn make sure that it's going to be like i'm going to kill it in real estate or i'm going to kill it in whatever self venture mm. i go towards you know yeah so what kind of friends did you have in college cuz from what you make it sound like, it sounds like it was a solo wolf, like solo, you know, wolf type of activity. It's just like you're out there by yourself in the library, just grinding out these 16, 17 hours of straight studying. Like what kind of community did you have like throughout the college life? In college, it was like I had freshman year. I had so many friends. I'd say like a close group of 16 people. It was awesome. Like, so much fun because you mm-hmm. study, you guys go back, you drink at the dorms, blah, blah, blah. It was so much fun. The next year, okay, now half of them are gone because I couldn't keep up with the coursework. Because the, the pre-med thing is, like, meant to weed mm-hmm. people who can't do it out. So, by like you got, you know, say I had 16 very close friends freshman year. Well, by sophomore year, I got eight. Junior year, I got three. Senior year, I had one. You know, so it's like... It very easily weeds those people out. And that's actually when I started doing the worst in college. I I graduated Hofstra with a 3.8, but I had a 4.0 my first two years. Mm -hmm. I think because I was happy because I had like such a good support group and I had my social and uh, academic life were intertwined. But after so many people start dropping because they can't uh, upkeep with the required GPA or whatever... Mm -hmm. Then it's like, okay, well, I need social life in a different area. Let me go drink with these schmucks in a weird fraternity or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So then you start dropping off a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why why my GPA tilted towards the end. Um, I think it's very important. I wish, and it kind of goes back to real estate too. The biggest mistake I ever had in real estate since I started doing this mm-hmm. was thinking I was uh, not better than people, but that I was so bright or like I could get through it without people. The best single decision I made in real estate was to start going to meetups, talking to people, like taking on mentors, mm-hmm. going to events. Like it's so humbling that it allows you to be like, Oh Wow these people know way more than I ever will 
and to take on that knowledge and be like, wow, this is going to help me so much in the future. Like, it's the fact that I was doing real estate for the first three years without doing meetups and all that is my biggest mistake in real estate. You know, you need that support group. You really do. So having the support group or having the different people that you've met through these networking events, how has all of that actually impacted you or changed the way that you think now? There's so many examples, but I'll hit on a couple. Uh, for example, like just Josh opened up my eyes to like, listen, you're doing, I've been killing it in my portfolio for a good amount of time off the rip. But then he's like, oh, we can, you can do, you can market in this way. You're going to get much more deals. It's going to be, become much more uh, viable. Um, the the relationship I have with Josh's partner, Curtis, mm -hmm. who's always giving me advice, like, uh, like, He's teaching me how to do uh, SEL right now. Like, uh, it's just the amount of opportunities it opens for you is absolutely insane. It, like, and then also with you too, Jesse. It's like I've been looking for a good hard money lender for how long? Mm -hmm. I've been using crappy hard money lenders for like the last year. And then just by uh, virtue of being friends with you, now I'm using Fixated, mm -hmm. completely changed my business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like now I'm I'm using a hard money lending company that is on time with their draws, is not killing me on fees. It, it really is. It's it's opened up way more opportunities to me that if I didn't do this. I'd be doing buying the same long-term rental properties that I've been buying since mm -hmm. I started. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, what does the the future kind of look look like now? Like, how has your plan going from the beginning to like when you hit this transition point of self education, building a network, building relationships? How are you going to go take all the things that you learned now? And then build on that. After everything I learned from you guys, my my goal this year is to buy, I want to buy 12 rental properties, mm -hmm. one a month, essentially. And I want to do half a million in uh, flipping profit. Mm -hmm. That's my current goal. I want to be able to do that, again, without fixated, without Josh, without mm -hmm. Curtis, without my boy Nick. Like... All these things coming together through networking has allowed me to make this goal a reality rather than just being like, okay, I'll buy a house when I can and then hopefully we fix it up. Because back in the day, we were doing all the work our own. Mm -hmm. So we'd buy a house like $50,000, you know, uh, it was in disarray. We'd come in, we'd do the tile, we'd do the LVP. Fix up the, the HVAC, the furnace, paint, all that. And it took us like six, seven months to get a project done. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like three guys working four days a week. We're not contractors, you know. 
we're, we're, we don't know anything. We're watching YouTube videos doing oh this. Oh, my gosh. So, um, after learning all that, like, now, now I'm utilizing contractors to do it because I can now. So, like, going to these meetups and talking to people have just been up my game astronomically, mm-hmm. you know? So what's that transition like going from doing all the work yourself and I guess probably making more money because you're not having to like dish it out for people to make their profit as well to just delegating? So it, it's been like a huge change, bro. I think it was necessary to do the work myself in the first place because I can't imagine... Um, telling a contractor what to do or being able to tell if a contractor is being honest uh, or or running a schedule with a contractor if I hadn't been doing like LVP, baseboard, kitchens, you know, everything. Because then when it comes to pricing, if I never did that, he could have told me anything he wanted to and I would have been like, sounds about right, you know? So, um... I think it's a necessary thing to do is kind of get your hands dirty a little bit to know how a house is built. It's your product. You should know how to sell it. Um, but in terms of the transition from going to um, hands-on to hands-off, it's also been like a tremendous amount of work because now it's not just only swinging a hammer or whatever. Now I'm allocating material, making sure the material gets there, uh, making sure everybody gets paid, um, bookkeeping. Uh, It's a lot more work that that becomes office work, which I don't mind either, but it's also, I feel like I'm busier now than when I was just working on the house with myself, Mm -hmm. you know, which is, which I didn't expect. It's interesting. To say the least. Wait, so why are you busier now? Just because when... So take it like every day I wake up, I have a cup of coffee. I go to, I go to you know, I'm putting LVP in. Mm-hmm. Put the block down. Bang, bang, bang. I'm throwing floor down. That's the day. And I don't really think about anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting floor in. Now that I'm doing... Um, uh, what do you, um, the admin work? Yeah, yeah. It's more so I'm running five projects for my phone. It's like, uh, this has to be here. It's not the right size. There's a water main break over here. Uh, what color am I painting this? There's so many things that you have to be on top of and then not only be on top of and tell them what to do. Well, now I'm ordering like, okay, he needs paint for that. Buy that. Oh God, the furnace needs to be done. I have to call a sub. It's very much all. And then the worst part, and I'm sure you guys could uh, relate to this, is keeping track of where all the money goes has been such a skill that I have had to learn recently. Because usually Mm -hmm. my whole life, I've been like pretty on point with like, okay, I owe this guy this much. This is happening here. Like I've had it all in my head. It's getting to a point where that's not possible anymore. It's it, humanly possible. I can't know how many subs, contractors, and whatever is getting paid on 
five, seven houses. You know what I mean? So now learning how to bookkeep has taken up a lot of our time, and we're doing that maybe like five hours a night. So you're saying it's taking a lot of time to build out these systems and yeah. kind of when you were doing the work of you know, swinging the hammer and yeah. doing everything to build up the house so that, hey, you can instruct these people on how do they do it for you. Yes. You're now back to swinging the hammer, but now like kind of in the office setting. Yes. So maybe down the line, now you're, you're able to hire people and instruct them how are they going to run your business. Yeah. You have to figure out how to do that yourself first and yeah. what's the best. Absolutely. And it's been very hard. Like, and that's something I got to talk to you guys about because it's like, at this point, I, I very much am trying to systemize everything. Mm-hmm. It's just been very difficult. Yeah. Because it because it's new, but uh, like me and Nick were talking, me and Nick Agley were talking the other day. Like, um, I mean, I guess it's how you learn, right? What has to be systemized? You gotta kind of put yourself into a situation where everything's messy, stupid, and be like, okay, how do we fix this? But it's just been. It, it's been more work. It has been much more work <laughs> than just swinging the hammer. Like, yeah. And I kind of miss swinging the hammer. Life was a lot yeah. more simple. So I'm curious, like, in terms of quality of life, besides, like, now you're living near a lake and you probably are in a real bed and there's no fleas, like, how is your quality of life? Probably. When you're, when you're just swinging the hammer and you don't have to think about anything to where now you got, like, probably, like, 20 different people calling you every single day needing yes. X, Y, and Z. It, the quality of life is now I don't want to say worse or better but it's different so like when I'm swinging the hammer let's say mm-hmm. I could wake up at like you know one at like that's my schedule yeah when people are calling me it's not my schedule anymore if mm-hmm. they need something from Home Depot at 6 a.m I'm up at 6 a.m you know and I'm like okay this is what we're getting da, da, da. uh let me let me check how much square footage you need and let me find out what vanity I want like that that's annoying because now your schedule isn't your own anymore. Whereas when you were doing your own work, you could there's there'd be days where where me and my partner would wake up, play Nintendo for an hour, and then be like, okay, let's go, and then go work on the house. You know, it's nice. To, it's a nice luxury to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas now it's I'm at the mercy of whoever needs what I, the the quality of life I think has gone down. Mm. You know, uh, just because I haven't systemized it. Yet. Yeah. How long do you think it's going to take you to do that? Maybe half a year, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot we're getting into. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, we've ran this round of flips, right? Like, uh, we just did three three or four flips at a time. I'm waiting for all those to close. I want to do another round of flips. And at the next round we do, I want to buy all the materials up front. Mm. and try to do it that way um i want to see what that that does to the timeline what that does as a cost mm. um and then after that try to put a system in place you know because at, at this point in time even after all this information i can't really put a system in place seeing as i think what i had just done with the last three flips was flawed mm-hmm because I was buying materials w- weekly and stuff. Or like, oh, we need this. Okay, I'll buy this. We need this. Okay, yeah. I'll buy it. You know what I mean? Rather it's a lot harder buy- to keep yeah. track. It's much harder to keep track of, and it's much more annoying. So the next round of flips we run, I'm going to do, okay, we're buying everything up front. 
seeing how we do this. And if that works out right, then we systemize that. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I think it's going to take at least six months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can really relate when you say, oh, my quality of life has gone down. Yeah. Because I remember like two years ago, within the, within the last two years, you know, the market's been really great. You know, you, you buy any house if you could get a house and then you fix up and you toss into the market, you make money. Yeah. Either that's just what you did. Yeah. You just, Couldn't lose. You, you could not lose. And then I would wake up at like 9, 10 a.m. Maybe I'll go to the... Uh, driving range and go swing and yeah, hit a couple yeah. balls and then get to work hit the computer and it's like i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like oh i got one house got two houses that i need to work on gonna make money you know bring in six figures this year no just another day in the 100%, life bro. and then now it's just like we're making less money uh, yeah. building more systems doing Dude. more work dealing with more people it and i was like it's like oh my gosh sometimes people think that this is the best life that they could possibly have for themselves and they just need and then there's the flippers who are just flipping like me five to ten a year but bringing six figures and they have a, s- a small system for it that's yeah, like yeah. literally one sheet of paper and it's just like this is all you need to do and that's just their life and it's like i think my point here is you gotta really start backwards and understand hey what kind of life do you want to build because you yeah. know even though you say your quality of life right now is possibly or yeah worse than it used to be you're working towards something so that your your life could be totally different and you're not swinging the hammer here or there and maybe you could leave and go to egypt again for six months and do what you want to do yeah right no 100 percent. no it's you gotta have that balance though i think of i have no problem with putting off gratification i mm-hmm. think it's something we all have to do it's just like how long do you are you gonna put off gratification and i think that's something you have to kind of have a balance of you know because my thing is like i don't want to until i have a hundred houses a hundred units yeah i'm a loser in my mind you know i want to delay that gratification but also what does that do to your psyche you know what i mean like that that's not good yeah and then you're never good enough like you have to have realistic goals but also ones that strive Mm. like to, to be great you know so at let's just say this year you did half a mil in profit for flips and you bought twelve houses. Yeah. Like why are why did you set that goal, and like what's the reasoning behind that? Well, I set that goal because I figured before that we were around fifteen units, and um, I I realized that now wait hard money because I hadn't been utilizing hard money because in the past. Hard money was like you needed liquid assets to back it up. You know, you needed either stocks or paid off houses with no mortgage to back up hard money or else they wouldn't give you a loan. Then recently, I don't know what the hell happened. Um, they were like, oh, no, you don't need you just need to put put up a down payment. So I'm like, OK, I started utilizing that. And then when I did that, I realized if. Off the money I have, I'll probably have like around around two hundred thousand dollars liquid. I could definitely do twelve rentals, and get my money and get all that money back after I refinance them. You know, and then with the flips, uh, that's that's new to me. I just started doing that like a few months ago. I was like, you know what, five hundred thousand dollars seems like a realistic goal because if I'm flipping, say we're doing one a month and they're making thirty k, like. 
you know, what is that? 360,000. Mm-hmm. So if we do just do like 15 this year, 16 this year, I think we could hit a $500,000 mark. I, I wanted to set that goal because it's a high goal, but I'd rather get right below it mm. than set a normal goal and hit a normal goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So what have been your goals in the previous years? Have they been as well thought out as this year's? No, they never had been. We were just kind of buying whatever we saw was a good deal and stuff like that. We had a portfolio split. I had a partner who was like, um, I I really like working on the houses and making them look nice. Uh, he kind of wanted to do a Section 8 kind of thing where it mm-hmm. was like, we'll scotch tape stuff together and Section 8 it. I, I really didn't want to do stuff like that. And we had a split. So we had to sell off the portfolio uh lost a lot of units a lot of equity um but now it's and, and even when when we were doing that portfolio it was basically just like whatever cash flows whatever makes money we would buy there was no like real buy box or mm-hmm. plan to uh grow it was just buy as much as possible and we'll see it wasn't until i really started like you know talking to them, doing more meetups and stuff with you guys and all that that mm-hmm. i really started thinking like I got to come up with a like parameters, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, on that partnership, um, moving forward, how, I guess, what are you doing to avoid? I don't know if there's like any type of fallout, but avoid, I guess, misaligned goals or vision, or are you still, Kind of just partner with anyone. <laughs> uh, so you mean like going forward? How do how do like I... how do you avoid that? And is there anything you think you could have done, um, before I guess you guys like had to split the portfolio to avoid that? It's a that? good question, and I think about it a lot. Obviously, um, I don't think there was anything to do to avoid this. But what happened when I started it? I was young. I had no experience. I had no money. I kind of had a partner with people just to make things happen um i think it was inevitable Hmm. um it it did what i had to do and then it crashed but looking forward what i would do is i have a friend tyler davis and he always says like it's better to make people you do business with friends than it is to try to make friends do business, you know? Because my whole thing is like, you know how people say, don't do business with family, don't do business yeah. with friends, like that's a whole law. But it's like, if you ain't do, doing business with friends, like who are you doing business with? Schmucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they gotta be your friend. But his whole thing is like, yeah, you do business with friends, but before that, there has to be a common goal, a, a, a common... Um, idea of how we're going to build success and that's much easier than accomplishing rather than taking a friend of yours Hmm. and trying to mold that idea of success into them you know so in the future i'm not trying to do that i'm not trying to take someone that isn't into it and trying to bring them on board and be like yo this is what we could do we could make some and trying to convince them this is a way it has to be someone that's already knows this is how it's going and then, all right, then you guide them and teach them, mm. you know, rather than, yeah. 
that's how I would do partnerships going forward. Yeah. How has like your mindset shifted overall? Um, just in business in general or in the way that you build relationships with people? Have you become like jaded over certain things or have you become like more curious of certain things? I become much more jaded. Um, it's it's really a shame because I, I was listening to uh, you guys' last podcast. I think it was uh, Joel Payne, and he had a whole thing. Who he does actually listen to? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, that was a good one. But he he basically was saying like, you got to cut off these parasites or whatever. Like you got to like go of these people who are like, it. It's very sad, especially if you've been friends with these people for a long time. Yeah, but. If they're not in line with your goals, they have to go. Like, or they don't have to go like forever, but you—they're not in your life mm-hmm. for the most part. Like, you need you need people who are gonna build you up. You you need people around who are gonna be like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, so I have like I've lost a lot of friends. I, the the last three years of my life since I started doing real estate has been the loneliest of my life because I just cut so many people out. That, but it, it's it, it's necessary. You know what I mean. You need to surround yourself with people who are trying to achieve the same goals. So um, it, it does suck, but in the long run, it's good. And I, like, if I didn't cut people off, I wouldn't have met you guys. You know, you know what I mean. It's just it's working better. And now that that I'm thinking like this, my portfolio has been growing like crazy. You know, because now it's like mm-hmm. the people that I did choose to stick around are very much into it. They're very much helping. Now, now we're growing. Like exponentially rather than like one here and there you know what i mean yeah it's like the process of pruning yeah yeah, yeah. which is it's t- difficult to do it really is but necessary mm-hmm. yeah so is there anything uh, from your previous mindset or your previous self in which you're still trying to work on that you're still trying to grow yes i'm trying my my main weakness i think right now is i expect like I put a hundred percent in and I'm very passionate and I, I, I'm like, I have a vision in my head. That's so clear. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is what we're doing Mm -hmm. and I need to get this accomplished. Um, and then I just expect others around me to be the same way where they don't have the same, uh, kind of, they don't know what's going on in my head without me telling them or whatever, you know, like they, how are they going to feed off my passion or my, you know? So my, the thing I'm working on right now, is being able to manage or, or inspire through being like more community, more communicative. You know what I mean? Like I have to be more like, listen, guys, this is my goal. And to achieve this, you have to do X, Y, Z. And you have to do X, Y, Z. And this is why, like, instead yeah. of me just assuming everybody has this grand idea in their head that I'm going to accomplish. Like I just assume because I know I have this, everyone else does too you know they could see the big picture yeah. i have to do a better job of explaining what the big picture is and how we're going to get there mm. but it's not easy it's not a skill people are born with you gotta you gotta practice that idea yeah have you ever heard of a vivid vision mm. i remember a while back i heard this one podcast kind of about what you're talking about and they said yeah. so there's this book vivid vision and i think you've read it i haven't read it so all i know is that basically the whole book, the whole concept is to, I guess, create a vision for your life. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times the way they write it is almost like a newspaper. Like, So it would be like, um, today's date is 
2030, uh, Ryan Bassetti owns 100 units, and he's like X, Y, and Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the in the podcast I heard, I th- I, th- I want to say it was a Bigger Pockets one. Um, what the one guy did is so he wrote out his vivid vision, and anytime he would partner, hire, or work with anyone, and specifically on the hiring part, he would be like, "Hey, here's my vision." And also the vision is commutative where it's like, hey, yes, this is what I want to accomplish. But if you read paragraph three, like we're doing this together, I'm bringing you up, I'm involving my goals with yours, and I am I want to see you succeed as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, hey, so this is what I want to accomplish. And anyone who he uh, hires, he's like, hey, you're going to like, if this doesn't align with what you want to do, like we're not going to be a good fit. Yeah. But if it does... You're gonna sign this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't done that. But I think that's like maybe we should do like a I think it'd be cool if we all did like a workshop. Dude, that'd be sick. Because I know uh, you yeah. you said you want to take like a couple months off of not doing anything. Yeah, not not doing that. Well, do, yeah, yeah. Planning. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to plan. plan. Sorry, yeah. Of planning. That'd be that'd be fun if yeah, we, we, should we had it. like a we all went away and like the cat skills. Dude, I'd be so shot some that. guns and then we wrote out our visions. That bro, that probably be the smartest thing we ever did. Like because, <laughs> of, like, listen, I got like a quarter million in liquidity yeah. sitting there. It's like that's a very important to think. Like, what am I doing with this? Like, where, like, where is this going? Like, rather than just being like nice house, nice house, nice house. Yeah, there has to be some sort of deep introspection about you know, like yeah. to make it work good. Yeah. And going going deeper again, um, you mentioned how with the partnerships, like one thing that misaligned was, hey, this is how we're going to achieve success. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what? How do you define success for yourself? For myself, or for, for yourself. I, I just—it's so funny because I just wrote this down, and it's like for me, success is two hundred fifty thousand dollars passive. Like, I don't have to do anything. Annually, to talk to anyone. Yeah, I don't have to talk to anyone. Um, and but also on top of that. I don't, some sort of charity or something where you're really helping people. Like, if I could be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. where I don't have to think about like a mortgage or whatever, I could travel, go wherever I want in the world, mm-hmm. and then also be helping people mm-hmm. when I want to. I think that is where I want to be in life. You know, I think that's my ultimate goal. Wow. Do you have any idea what type of charity or? I, I would like honestly, bro. No joke. I'd like to do something in medicine. Like I, I, I just took the MCAT. I was thinking about maybe going back to medical school just for the for the gaff for the goof. Mm-hmm. But like at least getting it now. So then if I decide like yo, once you made it financially, mm. okay, now you can go back and if you enjoy this, you can do it all over the world. You know? Yeah. Something like that. You just took the MCAT recently? Yeah, yeah. What the hell? It, it was miserable, miserable. How did you do? Pretty good. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got your results. Were you back? studying yeah. for it or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I studied for it. Yeah, I didn't take it raw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bro, what the <laughs> heck? That's what it sounded. It sounded like you just took it. No, 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 no. I studied for like three months. How did How did you do? Five fifteen. You good? Out of what? Out of what? Yeah. It's a. I don't know. It's out of five twenty six. It's on a scale. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're freaking. So angry. is that like good enough to get back into? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could go. I could go. Uh, that's I'm thinking about <laughs> applying like this year just to see if I get in, uh-huh. and then but I don't know. 
So this was like, I got so many opportunities in real estate. So I'd much rather make passive income in real estate mm-hmm. and then think about that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, I think back in the day, like in the 1800s, before you did anything, you'd establish, establish a passive income. Because this now, okay, you got $100,000 coming in. Now you can pursue what you're passionate about. You know what I mean? First mm-hmm. build the money mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. do your and then So do you think... When you were um, interning in all these hospitals, mm-hmm. like, why do you think all these, well, according to you, 90% of the doctors were like, don't do this? Because it's not a good uh, life work balance. It's They're okay. working, eight, you know, 18 hours a day a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they barely see their family. They're getting paid good, but if they, if these people are geniuses, if they would have just took 150 hours a a day, you know, 150 hours a week, to do real estate, they'd mm-hmm. be far surpassing us. You know, they're, they're, they're genius. Some of the smartest people I ever met. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's why they're always like, do anything else. If you have the brain to do this, just put it into any other industry <laughs> and work just as hard. And you will be a millionaire no matter what. And you won't have to sit over an operating table for 10 hours a day. Mm. You know? So how could how do you think that you could do medicine but on your own terms that would give you that work-life balance that you would love it? I don't know. So I, I I would imagine then that I would have to do commit six years to training then. After that, then I would travel. I would love to travel like places in Egypt and Yemen and Syria, like places where the populations were all screwed up and just stay there and like, you know, if people need to like live there, help people, mm-hmm. you know, but you're still making your passive income. Mm-hmm. So I don't got to worry about like my family or anything like that. I think that would be my ideal life, you know, something like that. Why 250? Um, 250 is a good number because I think because I grew up in Long Island, like I think 200,000 is like the absolute minimum a year you need to live comfortably. Yeah. So 250 just gives you a little more. It's like if you move to any other expensive spot. In the entire world, like whether you were in Singapore or you were yeah. in uh, what's the Vatican or whatever, yeah, you, yeah, just, yeah. you just hang out here. You want to hang out here. It's like just because money is an issue, you don't yeah. want that to stop you from being able to experience whatever yeah. you want to experience. 100%. But then, like, money wouldn't be that big of an issue if you were living in Egypt. And it's like 100%. literally five hundred dollars an entire month for food and housing. Yeah, right? no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I don't want money to be an issue at all. Hmm. You know. Yeah, like, and that's the whole goal of real estate, right? Like, we're all the same with that. Like, it's not really about money; it's just about like lifestyle. Yeah, money, of course, is very important, but we want it to just be a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I want to go back as well to when you were mentioning, hey, these are some of the things that you want to improve upon, and it sounded to, like to me that those were all in the category of leadership. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. so, I, I'm a poor leader right now. That takes a lot of self awareness and really? like, like, that's like the first steps to being a great leader is acknowledging that for yourself. But how did you come to the conclusion that hey, these things are leadership issues in which I need to work on and improve upon? Yeah. So how I realize is the way I, like I hurt people or turn people off. Like, so like. I'll be talking to people, and me, I was I was raised in a very like matter of fact like immigrant family where it's like mm-hmm. this, you know, there was no, emo- there was no emotions or anything. It was like this has to get done. You're not doing this. 
you're an asshole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so I obviously I have those traits in myself and then I go to put, and then when I go to tell people or delegate things, I'm doing it in the same way. Like, how did you not know this was supposed to happen? Why did you do it like this? You're a schmuck. <laughs> yeah. And it shouldn't be like that, really, because it's more so I should be sitting there like, I am, oh, you messed this up. That's okay. Maybe next time do this. I make the same mistakes, too. Like There is a way to talk to people and guide people mm, yeah. as a le- without being a complete uh, schmuck, you know? So like cutthroat is yeah. like yes, which I and I've lost uh, you know like people I've lost uh, team members because of that because I was just very much very much like this sucks. What are you doing? I need you to do this better, you know. And I don't even think I'm really a meat like I'm not like a a jerk or anything. I just I come off very it's off putting. Mm. Yeah, so I'm working on that like being like okay like this. Could have been done like I'm. I'm learning how to talk and also learning how to manage in a way that's not um, innate to me. So mm-hmm. it's been very. It's been definitely difficult, but I'm trying. You know. So what do the steps look like in the progression of your leadership journey? First off, I need to get more organized and start delegating better. I need to instead of assuming. Everybody knows what I want to do. I have to, like, I'm using Asana right now to delegate tasks. Be for Asana is like a C, uh, you know, a project management system, and I'm using that to just be like, okay, you do this, you do this, you do that, you do that. Now, even okay, so now let's break it down even further. Sometimes someone won't do a task I delegate, mm-hmm. so then what do you do? Like, well, we, I'm asking you. So, what would you do if someone didn't do a task you delegated to them in Asana? So one thing I learned um, just through like a coach we have, he said, well, so and this is more like on the sales side, but you can kind of apply this in leadership anyway. Mm-hmm. So the way you handle stuff like that, and you, you're probably gonna have to go back and do it, mm-hmm. but it's like the first time I'm like, like you, you're we decide that you're gonna do work for me, right? Mm-hmm. The conversation should go like, "Hey, like, what are you looking to get at? Like, what are you trying to accomplish, and how can I help you get to that goal?" Right. So now you know their why, and it may not really have be completely related to what you're doing, but in a way, you know, you can help them. So like, you have you have alignment there, and then it's like, all right, Ryan. So now that we know that this is your goal, um. By doing these tasks that I set for you, how how can that help you achieve your goal? Mm-hmm. So then now you have alignment in the tasks that they're doing and they understand why they're doing it. And then the last part would be like, hey, Ryan, if you don't do this task, how, how would you like me to approach you and hold you accountable to that task, which, in, which you know why you're doing that task and that task directly or indirectly is helping you to get to your ultimate goal anyway? And, and then how do you reprimand them? So so it's it would literally be like, hey, Ryan, like um, you ask them how you want them to do it. So for some people, it's like it's like when when we're in a meeting in front of everyone, I want you to call me out in front of everyone. And other people, it's like, hey, like, could you just call me and be like, hey, Ryan, like I saw you didn't do this. 
you told me this is how you would like me to approach you and hold you accountable to the tasks. Like what's going on, man? Like, is there anything? And then, and then you bring it back to like, that's not just talking to people like, like, nice like you, you literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the best way to do it is literally ask them how, how they want it to be done. Yeah. And then, that's not a bad idea. Like, how do you want me to yell at you? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because like one, they'll, when they don't do something, they're expecting that Two, when you go to do it, it's not like a blind side. Like they know, okay, however he, however he's going to approach this is, it, well, it should be exactly what I told him. Cause we already talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then another thing is like, it should like, it should be like, Hey, like what happened? And then the next step to that is like, how can I help you make sure that that doesn't happen? Like, and is this like, is this something you think that's going to continually happen that we can work on together or X, Y, and Z? Yeah. 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 And another thing is when you take all those steps that Josh says, and then they still fall short and you still reach out and communicate with them. It's like, Hey, what happened? Uh, You said that you would do this. And I'm trying to hold you accountable. And it's like, we're trying to work at this together. And it's like, if you don't think that you could do this, let me know now. And like, that's totally okay. Yeah. Like one of the big things within like uh, the sales, uh, the sales process that we run and also like how we also run the company is that uh, we have to be very upfront with our communication and yes and no. Yeah. And like, failure or success either one is okay it's just a matter of what's the intention behind it like if we are here to learn like failure is okay but up to a certain extent how is how much failure is okay before it's like hey we're expected to actually uh succeed after this amount of times that we have fallen short and if somebody is lagging on the team and it's just like you're held them accountable the amount of times that josh has said hey you wanted me to reach out to you and communicate to you in this these ways if you're not able to hold up to your end of the bargain your promises after we've done this type of communication it feels like there's a misalignment here yeah. and we're doing each other a disservice then we're not blindsidingly like terminating them yeah whereas it's just like hey you we I've done the most that I possibly can. And this is something that I learned inside a leadership book, uh, how leadership actually works by Larry Yach, where he's just like saying, oh, what's it called? Communication. There's multiple ways in which we could take ownership in terms of how we deliver the communication, how somebody receives the communication, and whether we take responsibility they take responsibility or we split the responsibility 50-50 of like, oh, I communicate. You have to also understand what I mean and then you go carry out. Well, you kind of gave up control and power and you have no uh, you have no one else to blame if someone else fails and you, mm-hmm. you didn't do everything you could in order to help them be successful. Absolutely. What Josh was just saying, that's a, a way for us to communicate and take 100% ownership of everything that we've done so that we could set them up for success versus we we communicate mm. a couple of things over a few words and then we leave 100% of the responsibility on them. And if they fail, all that responsibility actually goes and reflects upon us. Yeah. So it's like that's yeah, one of the yeah. big things inside of leadership where it's just like oh, communication and language are really big things and taking ownership is a huge thing. If somebody fails, it's 100% our faults. 
mm-hmm. you know, as leaders. Yeah, I agree. And it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile that. I mm-hmm. think like we, like uh, reconcile the fact that when your team members fail, it's 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 your the, fault. Yeah, yeah. It, like you know, because uh, immediately what most people, what ninety percent of people do is like, screw you, you suck. Yeah, and most people do that. Like you know, and it's very hard to foster that attitude, and uh, but it it does fall on you because re- what even if it was that person's fault. You hired them. You thought they yeah. were good for the job. Like if you ain't if you ain't telling them what to do, like that's on you. I, I completely agree. It's, it's something to think about, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that same culture, it manifests throughout the entire organization or everybody that yes. you're connected to. So if you're not taking ownership, then no one takes ownership of yeah. anything that they do. Yes. It's just like you have to you have to be that model. Yeah, and it's like if you're being negative. Yeah. That everyone's gonna be negative. Yes. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. You need to find a way in order to possibly remove yourself from the situation, or even just be fully transparent and be like, "Hey, I'm not having a good day, and I don't want to, you know, put this burden upon you guys. So I'm just gonna pull." My- like yesterday, I had to leave work early. I was just like, "Damn, I feel like a major failure because I'm just failing these inspections left and right, and it's like I can't get a house, you know, closed up because of the stupid." Ins- inspections and it's just like well i'm the reason why the inspections are failing it's just like i just feel really down and like i'm just uh i don't want to bring that type of energy to other people and i just have to be very raw and honest and transparent like hey guys i'm not feeling like the best yeah, i'm yeah. just gonna step away from it and yeah. try to get better it's much easier to be like yo let your ego take over and be like this screwed up but it's all your your guys is fine. yeah done it, or just know? stay longer inside the environment and then yeah. everyone else feels your wrath or it's just like they they're very uh put off by being surrounded by you because yeah. you don't know how to set those boundaries yeah. and you don't know how to you know lead by example yeah no 100 percent, bro no, very well said very well said another thing is to make sure you write it down because you'll hit a point where one you don't remember it or two you're gonna do it and they're gonna be upset at you and then you're gonna and then you just reference it back yeah. and be like hey this is exactly what you said. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. With at least something like Asana, like, uh, had like fosters accountability. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you signed off on this, bro. Why would you do that? You know, like, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a lot. It's a it's a journey, man. 100%. And it's like we're gonna be learning and failing forward for the rest of our lives, and we'll never be perfect people, and we'll never be perfect leaders. But we can only strive to be. You gotta strive better than who we were yesterday. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's what we're shooting for, man. Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree. So I wanted to uh, sum things up and ask you, like, what's some of the best advice or some of the best lessons in which you've learned up to this point that reflecting back to your younger self, younger Ryan, or people who were in a similar position to yourself, you've given a lot of great gems and a lot of great points. And I was wondering if you had any advice to the younger version of yourself. For the younger version of myself, it depends. If it's if it's in Wilmington, Wilmington real estate, if let, let's just say that one safety's first. Uh, there's a lot of great deals out there in Wilmington that you get good deals on, like, but you got to make sure you're not getting shot. Two, you're not the brightest young man ever. You need to listen. You need to go to these meetups. You gotta take mentors. 
learn from these people uh, and really utilize what they're telling you. Um, and three, um, try to slow down on buying things. You know, like I think a lot of real estate investors have that kind of addiction where it's like, I bought a house. I need another one. I need another one. I got to do another one. Take a minute to just think it over. You know, like his, yeah, you're not buying bad deals. Most of them are probably good deals. You know, I never bought a bad deal in my life, but you could have bought great deals if you would have just waited one week, two weeks and really got yourself, calmed yourself down and waited. So that's really like when you're ready to shoot, take a breath, wait, and then shoot in two weeks or something. Like I think that's the best advice for people, especially in a market that's moving as fast as like Wilmington or, or Delaware, you know? Bam. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And if people wanted to reach out to you, connect with you, talk to you more about your different experiences or what you're um, working on, first off, I want to ask you, like, is there anything in which you're looking for more support, more help, or are you looking for anything specifically? And then secondly, like, how can people connect with you? Uh, nothing really. I mean, we are taking on private investors right now. Like, you know, if someone wants, typically our returns are like uh, 20, 30%. Over, over three months so if you give us like ten thousand dollars we'll give you 13 14 something like that but really that's all we're doing over there if you want to reach out we're rentals in progress on ig uh but otherwise you know we're just on instagram just doing our thing you know money your own business that's awesome bro that's it that's it i really appreciate you coming on to the show ryan well, listen i i really appreciate you guys having me bro it's been a pleasure awesome all right this has been the Nia Genius Podcast. Peace. See you guys. All right, that's a wrap. Bam.